Welcome to Week Points, the podcast where we discuss what we've watched, listened to, read and done over the past week. I'm one of your hosts, Rich, and with me as ever is Nick. Nick, how's your week been? Uh, it's been okay. Uh, I've done a bit of cooking, seen friends and watched a bit of uh, the football, watched some TV, which we'll talk about in a bit. Um, uh, you know, been fascinating to keep an eye on what's going on in America with, with Trump and also mm. uh, over here with, with uh, Crazy Boris. Uh, but, but you know, not nothing nothing uh, that we... Are... This is the problem. Sorry, I, I'm going to just go off on one a little bit. Um, mm. This seems to be the problem, uh, I, th- I think, with somebody, particularly over the water, uh, Donald Trump. He does something stupid and nutty every day. And if you do yeah. something stupid and nutty every day, and then you top it by doing something different but equally stupid and nutty... Then to those Midwest voters, um, I'm not saying stupid people, but I'm saying those people who maybe don't pay as much attention to politics. Wow, this is getting worse and worse. I am digging myself a big hole. Mm-hmm. Huge attraction to apologies to all Americans. But, um, you know, if, if it normalizes that your leader just keeps doing stupid things, then eventually they lose their impact. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, and and it's and it's frustrating, and, and I think that in a way, because neo populism, as we know, is a terrible, terrible thing. But in in a, in a way, there's a certain leaf been taken out, taken out of uh, Trump's book uh, by by Boris Johnson. I mean, you know, in, in Prime Minister's questions on uh, Tuesday, it, it came to light that apparently the 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 um, the special uh, report into phase two of, of the coronavirus and what may happen around winter um, has been prepared for Boris Johnson and he is aware of it um, but hasn't read it. Now that alone to me would say you are unfit for purpose, man. Um, but no, apparently not. We move on. We move on. So uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's it's, uh, it's an unusual continuum, I think. Uh, and I suppose we're all just waiting for the, the Russia thing. I was talking to a mate of mine this morning about that about how the, the Russia papers, which have been suppressed for eight months, are coming out soon. Uh, and it might be a, a, an absolute flamethrower. Uh, I know, but I always think that. But then these things come out and everybody goes, God, that's awful. Anyway, must get yeah. on to something else. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's a slap it's, it is, a junior it is horrendous. And moving on. Yeah, it is. It's awful. Anyway, that's that. Uh, what have you? What can you tell me? You always ask me how my week's been. How's your week been? Um, so I've been back at work. Um, we've opened up the shop. Um, so that's been a bit of a weird experience. But right. uh, uh, there's um, a, a new normal, I'm guessing they're calling it now. Um, so there's been that. But um, because I've been working hard on opening up the shop, so I've been doing weird hours. I'm not a very good sleeper anyway. So I've been... My sleep patterns have just been all over the place. Um, so the about five nights ago, I think it was maybe five or six nights ago, um, uh, I got into bed late as usual, and I was s- fell asleep. So just as a preamble to this, and it does become important. I've got three <laughs> dogs, so I've got two two pugs, and I've got an old English sheepdog. Um, so anyway, gets into bed, fell asleep, and then I uh, one of the pugs has got he's only got one eye. He managed to um, run into our front window. I didn't know this. And, when was this? And 
Oh God, this was about a year ago, maybe mm-hmm. more. Um, he, he, uh, somebody was outside. Um, this was while I was out. Somebody was outside, and he ran and threw himself from the top of the sofa that was near the front window. Smashed his head into the window and managed to knock one of his eyes out. So his oh. eye was just oh. hanging, hanging <laughs> from the optical nerve, oh. just oh. hanging, hanging limp on his um, on his cheek. Oh God. Um, there was a fair amount of blood as well, uh, and it immediately it swelled up like a fucking tennis ball. It was awful. Oh God. Anyway, anyway, so there's nothing could do. Couldn't save the eye, so he's he lost one of his eyes. Um, uh, so he's um, he's an he's an adopted pug. We adopted him. Um, now he's uh, his his teeth haven't developed properly um, when he was a pup, so they're very tiny. Um, so his tongue lolls out of the side of his mouth. Okay. Just pretty much permanently. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, none of this is an issue. Yeah, I mean, he's fine. You know, he's perfectly <laughs> perfectly healthy in every other yeah, respect. He's the monocular dog wandering yeah. about with his tongue hanging yeah. out, his tiny teeth. It's just like he's, he just has adapted to everything perfectly fine. So anyway, back to me being asleep. So I was asleep. And then I started <laughs> having this... Um, this dream that um, he played tennis, like, the, professionally. What, the one-eyed dog? The one-eyed black pug right. with his tongue hanging out. Um, he played <laughs> tennis professionally. And um, we we played doubles um, all over Europe, I think. Um, <laughs> I, but the I, I always knew that the crowds were there to see me. They were yeah. obviously there to see him. Yes, um, yeah. Because not only was he a, a one-eyed, tongue-hanging-out dog playing tennis, yeah, um, he was fucking brilliant at it. He was really, really good. Um, and he, he was used propping to, you um, up, basically. I was there, like um, you know, like when they have the Paralympics, where there's like, there's like blind runners, and but they're tethered to somebody. Yeah, I was I was a bit like that. Essentially, I okay. was I was there, but. Like no fucker had come to see me, so right. was, we were we were a doubles pair. But so you were like Fleming I, and McEnroe, and you were Fleming. Exactly. I mean, I was I was always perfectly aware of who the star of the show was, and it wasn't me. Okay. But I was quite I was quite happy to play that supporting role. Yeah, of it course, wasn't was that wasn't that wasn't definitely wasn't the issue. So um, we we played a few tournaments, and what he used to do was um, he would uh, he would he would use his tennis racket with his paws. Okay. To hit the ball, but then when he had to run somewhere, he'd put the racket in his mouth and he would run on his four legs. <laughs> and then when he got there, he'd take it out and he'd hit it again. It, again, he just adapted to it. He was really, really good at it. So we were playing, um, we we're playing this tournament in um, Holland against these um, these young guys, these young Dutch guys. We were playing in one, of the, and it was an indoor um, arena, and um, they had all the flashing lights and all that kind of shit. And um, they were coming out, and they were proper. They were in the tracksuits and everything before the match, and they had all the everything went dark, and they had all the lights, and there was all the music booming, and everybody was right. going mental for these Dutch guys, which yeah, is unusual yeah. for us because obviously we're used to people going mental for him. Yeah. Um, so we were stood there on the baseline, right? 
watching these two Dutch pricks prance around on their side of the court <laughs> yeah. in their tracksuits. And I was going, <laughs> look at them fucking assholes over there. Who the fuck do they think they are? I'll tell you what, mate. We're going to absolutely fucking leather them. I'm going to fucking shut these bastards up. And um, they had, um, as part of the opening thing, they had a, a really big, um, like, helium-filled foil tennis ball it was massive it was absolutely massive um and it was like slightly deflated so you know when you can see the kind of, you know when you've got a helium balloon a foil helium balloon for somebody's birthday and you can kind of see the little creases in the yes, joint yeah, 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 yeah. you could you could kind of see that on this big like gold tennis ball that they had and they were dicking around and they were kicking this ball around and everybody was going mental about these two Dutch guys. And I was like, what a pair of fucking knobheads. Right, I'm going to sort this out. <laughs> so I, I went I went, <laughs> I went, went over to them and I, I thought, I'm going to fucking launch that, that tennis ball balloon thing into the crowd and we'll fucking get on with this because they're just pissing about now. I want to get on with this so we can smash them. So I went over to the, the massive tennis ball balloon thing and I put my leg back to give it a massive swing. And I gave this massive swing. And then in real life, I threw myself out of the bed, <laughs> out of the side of the bed. And I smashed my head on the bedside cabinet. Um, didn't know really what was going on. Uh, like, die, die, shut up. She runs, she puts the light on, like, what the fuck's going on? Um, she ran around to the side of the bed, and for some reason, I'm sat on the floor in my boxers <laughs> with blood pouring out the side of my head. Is this real or in the dream? Or is this, real? this is real. This is real. Oh my god! <laughs> I must have swung my leg and just thrown myself out of the bed, and um, uh, <laughs> I felt like it was as I was kicking this foil tennis ball. That yeah. was when I did it. I just threw one leg at the at the tennis ball, and obviously it wasn't there. And wow. I threw myself out of the side of the bed, smashed my head on the bedside the table, um, cut off the side of my head, blood coming out everywhere. I didn't obviously then I didn't know what was going on, so I was just lying on the floor. I was just sat on the floor like going, "Oh my fucking head!" And then I put my hand <laughs> to my head, and there was like blood all over it, and I was like, "Oh no!" So she came and like wiped it all down, and then like. We got it to a point where it it stopped, and then I was like, well, you're, gonna, "You're gonna have to get me like um, the the pillow from the spare bedroom because I can't. I don't want to put my head down on on this pillow." So she goes and gets that, and she comes back in, and then we're lying in bed, and then she was going, "What was all that about?" And I went, "Well, me and the dog were playing tennis doubles." <laughs> I, had to tell her, I had to tell her that, and like the fucking entire story about it. Um, so then she was laughing for about an hour about it, and then. <laughs> The next morning, um, I got up and all of my pillow is just covered in blood. I've obviously been bleeding during the night. And then the side of the bed where um, where I must have where I must have lent against it when I'd managed to come round after smashing my head, that had all spatters of blood all over it as well. It looked like somebody come in with a hammer in the night and just caved me in. Um, I was like, fucking hell! If anybody, if the police had come round in the middle of the night, they would have arrested you straight away. Um. So yeah, that was that was uh that was my night. That is phenomenal. Yeah, I've never. I don't think I've ever had a dream where I, where the dream, has physically manifested itself. No. Well, maybe I have. I can't remember. The only thing I can think of that was vaguely similar, and it was. I suppose it was one of those weird 
dreams, they're just like a little momentary dream, because apparently your dreams don't last very long. They're, they're flickers of images that your yes, brain, yeah. when you wake up, interpret as slightly longer. And yeah. so the phone must have been ringing, and I dreamt, or, you know, it seemed like I'd been dreaming that I was staying in this hotel, and I'd ordered a wake-up call, uh, and... Um, uh, because I had to be out to do some filming or something. It was when I was still acting. And uh, the phone rang. And I picked it up and went, thanks, mate, and put it down again. And then went, <laughs> uh, went back to sleep just for like a second and thought, oh, look, that really happened. What the fuck? Picked the phone up because there's nobody there. Never phoned back. I had no idea. To, to this day, I have no idea. It clearly wasn't one of my friends because nobody said, oh, I wrote a phone to the day. You just went, thanks, mate, and put the phone down. And so, yeah, that, that is years ago. I just, thanks, mate, phone back down. And uh, yeah, no, yeah. no idea. That's very strange. But talking about blood, um, you know, uh, and, and how um, frightening it is, you know, a small cut or a small wound can produce a hell of a lot of blood in a short space of time. Yeah. When I was a kid, um, and I might have told you this before, we had a dog called Dodger, and it's just a mongrel, lovely dog, mongrel. Um, and I was up in bed, and it was, I don't know what, nine, nine, ten past nine in the morning, and my dad had already started work. He used to spray cars for a living, and he was in the garage just, oh, you know, out on the drive. And um, my mum, I heard my mum going, oh, Dodger, Oh, what's happened? Oh, no, oh, Dodger. And I was thinking, oh, I was coming around thinking, oh, what's he done? And he was only young, and I thought, right, he's had a shit in the kitchen. Fucking hell, oh, great. Anyway, she shouted at my dad, Vic, Vic. And my dad came in and went, oh, what's happened here? Oh, Dodger, what have you done? I thought, oh, it's a big shit. Right, it's a big shit. <laughs> and then they went, Nick, Nick. I was yeah, get up. Why, what's up? We've got to take the dog to the vet. Can you come and clean the kitchen up? And I thought, oh, great. There's more than one shit. He's shit everywhere. <laughs> this is a fucking disaster. Oh, great. What a start of the day. Okay, fine. Yeah, I'll do it. Anyway, off they go to the vet. And I'm thinking, right, he's obviously got, like, really bad, you know, violent diarrhea. And then I'm to drive him to the vet with his ass out the car window, firing it like a fucking cannon <laughs> down the road. <laughs> and get into the kitchen. Fucking hell. My heart skipped a bit. It was like a Martin Scorsese film. It was like... The end of Taxi Driver when Travis Bickle goes into the brothel to get Jodie Foster back and he's shooting people and blood yeah, is yeah. everywhere. Honestly, blood was everywhere. It was on every cupboard front. It was all over the floor. It was all over the window, the back door. It was everywhere. I got really upset. I was thinking, oh, God, a leg's off. He's lost a leg. He's lost a leg or a foot at yeah. least. There's that much blood and I'm trying to clean it off and it's like that bit in Angel Heart where that, you see that person trying to clean the blood off and he's just smearing it around the cupboards. I'm getting <laughs> yeah. really upset, yeah. thinking, fucking hell, it's like a charnel house. It's, it's like a slaughterhouse. What am I going to do? I can't get it clean. I can, the dog's dead. <laughs> anyway, they get back. What's happened is dog's got into a bit of a tussle with another dog who's nipped the tiniest bit of his ear off. Like, yeah. the tiniest bit. And he's flicked his head, as they do, and blood has pinwheeled around the kitchen. Yeah, and yeah. And obviously it's been dripping as well. So, but yeah, I was utterly terrified. So yeah, I can imagine you waking up after cracking your head, and there'd yeah. be blood. Yeah, I can imagine that. Fucking hell, that's awful. I did, it did make me think, though, all the times I've seen it happen in films where 
somebody's done something and they've got covered in blood and like, oh my God, we're going to need to get the ambulance. And I've just thought, oh, actually, now it's happened to me. It's fine. It's yeah. absolutely fine. <laughs> yeah. Suck a barley sugar and get back to bed. Yeah. yeah Fucking yeah. hell. Although, um, Di did say, uh, like the next morning, she was like, oh God, I'm just so tired. And I was like, you're fucking tired. I threw myself out the bed and smashed my head open. She was like, yeah, yeah no, but I, I couldn't sleep because all the time I was thinking, what if you die in the night because you've got, like, <laughs> concussion or something? I was like, I wasn't concussed. Fucking hell. I was just on the verge of smashing some fucking Dutch tennis cocky players. Dutch, cocky Dutch kids. Who, yeah. incidentally, I blame for the whole affair. Well, yeah, I do as well. I yeah. blame those Dutch kids. Yeah. So yeah. wherever you are in Richard's subconscious... Come yeah. out and let's have a fucking word, shall we? Yeah, yeah. Bastard let's fucking thing. sort this out on the court. Let's sort this out. Do you know? Dreams. They had a They're fucking amazing. lucky escape, them. Yeah, they did. They, could, they were going to get fucking six love, six love. Absolutely belted. There's good. There's there's um there's a like a Dutch a Dutch lad who's probably had a dream about some fat old Yorkshireman and a one-eyed dog <laughs> playing him at tennis, and they were just about to beat him when the when the fat old Yorkshireman fell over and smashed his head open, and then he, and then he's woken up. <laughs> Either that, or the, the the fat the fat Yorkshireman. You're not fat, incidentally, but you're a Yorkshireman. Wet goes to goes to kick the big. Novelty uh, tennis ball and just disappears. Yeah. Just suddenly, fucking disappears. <laughs> yeah. Oh the yeah. The match is abandoned what... because they can't just play the dog on its own. The dog just has to shuffle off. It gets rehoused, and, and you know, it was a really disappointing dream. Oh yeah. What what happened, Peter? Are you okay? I had a very strange dream last night. I, I thought I was going to win, a, win the tennis game, and uh, then in the end, I did not. That's a terrible Dutch accent. I apologise to all. So, uh, but Peter, who who was you playing against? I was playing against the fat old Yorkshire man and his one-eyed dog. Dogs can't sh- play tennis, Peter. Dogs don't play tennis. Have you been smoking a pancake? <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! Yes, so uh, very good, very good. So on uh, to on to real things. On um, to real things. Go on to what you've been watching. Now wait, wait, I've, wait, watched, I've watched. I've watched. Oh, go on. In a minute, I was just just thinking about weird dreams. Uh, oh yeah. And um, a dream I had many, many, many years ago. And there is a reason for telling this. Uh, you know, mm. people talking about the dreams sometimes. Your dream was absolutely awesome. And because it was recent, this is very indulgent to me because this was a dream from years and years and years ago. Mm. But I once, just prior to the start is it, of the, is, the, is this about a young teacher that you liked when you were at school? No. Oh. No. God's sake. <laughs> what kind of a podcast? What, what are you? What? No. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Can you I imagine? remember a dream. I remember a dream that I had when I was 13. Stop it. Something, immediately stop. Something, phys- something physical happened after Immediate, that. Well. Immediately stop. <laughs> oh, dear. No. So, um, so this was a dream just prior to the 1994 World Cup. I was sitting... Mm at the dining room table at mum and dad's house next to William Shatner dressed as Captain Kirk in his full Captain Kirk regalia um, and he was he was filling out an application form for a job at the chemist and um, he wanted me to look over it and his spelling was dreadful and his grammar was dreadful <laughs> and I didn't know how to say it to him and say no don't dress it up just tell me <laughs> like it is tell me what you need tell me what you know 
Tell me how I get this job. And honestly, in my in the dream, I was really conflicted because I thought, right, on the one hand, I need to tell him he's not going to get the job because he sounds really thick as fuck because the, yeah. you know, it's this terrible, terrible job application. But on the other, yeah. it's fucking Captain Kirk. It's William Shatner. Yeah. And the reason, the reason, you know already, the reason I tell you that is because our friend Aid has sent me a book. Um, Rich, would you like to uh, tell tell the uh, I mean, listeners? It's it's got a hard hitting uh, front cover, and it's called Shatner, where no man dot dot dot, <laughs> and it is the it is the authorized biography of William Shatner. It's not one of these knockoff books that were circulating at the time. No, it's it is the authorized book. Um, and it's not just written by. I'm going to call him Bill. Um, Do it. It's not just Bill. It's. Sandra Marshak and Myrna Culbreth. Yes, it is. Yeah, two made-up names. Um, so, yes, so William Shatner and, and William Shatner and William Shatner have written this book, but two of the William Shatners got new names. There are three William Shatners, incidentally, and uh, I will send you, Rich, and you must uh, you know put on the, 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 mm. the, uh, the account for the thing, the, um, the version of Rocket Man. That William Shatner performs oh, at the yeah, Science yeah. Fiction Awards in 1983. <clears throat> so uh, there's some quotes at the beginning of the book. Uh, so here's the first one. These these are quotes. Uh, you know, you normally get quotes from. I thought it was amazing, wonderful book. What a dry wit the author has. You know, from the Daily <laughs> Herald or whatever. So here's here's three quotes. Three quotes. First one. I was insane the way an animal is insane <laughs> because I'd lost everything. Next quote. Anything done supremely well is an act of sex. And finally, I was alone and I was terrified. All of those quotes, William Shatner. So William Shatner is quoting himself in his own book. So there you go. So he was insane. What were we saying earlier about how you, how would you describe that? Well, I can only imagine that he was sat there. And he was talking to, let's just say he was talking to his ghostwriters and not the mirror. And he was saying, um, I was insane. So how, how can I best describe it in this book? I was insane. How can I get it across how insane I was? I was like, um, what other insane things are there? <laughs> oh, I, I, some animal, animals, some animals are insane, aren't they? I was probably like one of them. I was like an insane animal. That's what I was. <laughs> let, let me let me write this down while it's fresh in my memory. <laughs> Insane, like a fucking insane animal. <laughs> but also because he'd lost everything. Do you think because he's what, lost everything? Do you think that's what tips hamsters over the edge? Do you think orangutans? Yeah. Go. Yeah. Oh, I've that fucking lost all those all those roots and berries now. Yeah. I'm fucking. Yeah. You know, do you think that's what sent tips them over? Do you think? I mean, they're not known for their um, grief over the loss of possessions, are they, animals? No, no, I wouldn't have thought so. No, I, I don't not think traditionally. being being without, say, you know, your car and your home is going to yeah. force them into a position of mental instability. I don't. I listen. I'm not a vet. I'm not an animal psychologist. I could be wrong. You know. No, I mean, we don't know what happened after the PG Tips monkeys lost their jobs, do we? They might have gone. Insane with grief at not having, you know, the, a full time career anymore. That's very true. The, I, I, the, 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 the light burned so bright, but so yeah. shortly, didn't it? I can tell you a story about the PG Tips monkeys. Oh, uh, go on then. Yeah. So um, my mate Graham, who you've who you've met many many years yeah. ago, um, he used to. He's a teacher now, but prior to being a teacher, 
uh, he one of his jobs was he was a forestry contractor, so a tree planter. He, he would, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, those guys you see with the massive industrial strimmers on the sides of motorways mm. and stuff. Uh, he used to do that, and he tree he was doing some tree planting at a zoo. Uh, I can't remember what zoo it was, but it was the zoo where the PG Tips monkeys uh, were kept. Oh my god! This was uh, again. Uh, I'm going to say mid nineties, perhaps uh, less enlightened times. When animals yeah. are given a, a fair shake and, and a, a more responsible and a yeah, decent yeah. indigenous environment with which to in in which to inhabit, um, no, not the PG tips uh, chimpanzees. Now they were no. put in a glass house with furniture so that they would look, you know. And oh so, no! Yeah. Now they arrived. <clears throat> Graham and his mates arrived at five o'clock in the morning. Obviously, were let into the park. Anyway, as Graham was walking through, he was aware of a persistent tapping noise. And, uh, and he, he looked across, and uh, sure enough, there, uh, looking out of one of the windows of this house, was one mm. of the chimps, just tapping, oh, tapping no. his finger. And Graham walked up to it, uh, and as soon as he got within six feet, uh, the chimp stopped. And Graham said it was really chilling. He stopped and just looked at him for a moment and then walked away. And right then Graham realised he's just doing what everybody else does. He's seen, he's yeah, seen, yeah. you know, he's seen lots of people come up to his little window and go, hey, make him do something. Gary, make him do something. Yeah, Tap on the yeah. window. And uh, so, yeah, really, uh, really straight. There you go. But yeah, so obviously... Oh God, so, that was awful. Well, in those moments, they felt like fucking William Shatner. When he lost Fucking everything. Fucking hell, that was and, such a depressing story. Yeah, but think about it like this. That's how William Shatner felt. Well, yeah, now I understand how he felt. Yeah, he did. But I mean, my problem really in getting through life tonight wasn't a lack of empathy for William Shatner's feelings. <laughs> <laughs> I could have just have imagined that. Oh, no. Yeah, sorry. We, yeah, sorry about that. Let's talk about some TV, shall we? Let's, let's, let's talk about some, some TV. Yeah. More people in a um, a small area being looked at while they leap around and do things. <laughs> um, you've been watching the floor is the floor is it the floor is lava? Floor no, the, is lava. No, no definite article. It's just no, the floor just is lava. Floor is lava. Yeah, it's one of those weird, uh, not grammatically correct but perfect sentences. A bit like dog in yeah. school. Do you remember when Dog in yeah. School got shouted at school? Dog in School! Dog in School! And everyone went yeah. mad because there was a fucking dog in the school. Um, yeah. yeah, so Floor is Lava. Floor is Lava, apparently, is a kid's game. I never played it at school. We played Pirates. Uh, you yeah. know, the, the game where you weren't allowed to touch the floor. Essentially, uh, this American show has taken this popular kid's game um, and uh, made it into a studio uh, spectacular, flooding mm. the floor with some, uh, I don't know, uh, dye-infused uh, uh, waters uh, and putting strange random pieces of furniture in a room and, and uh, teams... Uh, of uh, three, mostly, have to get across the rooms using this furniture and not touch the floor because the floor is lava. Um, And the team who either get there with their full team intact or get there in the fastest time uh, win $10,000. And it's a very, very simple concept. Uh, And I watched it 
I watched the whole thing. There's ten episodes in the series. Watched it over about two or three nights uh, with Ivy, who was eight years old, and absolutely lapped it up. And her enthusiasm for it uh, was really infectious. By the end of the series, we were all uh, we we're all shouting, "He's going in! He's going in! He's going!" Ooh, no, he's made it! Ooh, blimey! So yeah, we were all quite uh, enthused. Uh, yeah. and, it, and it's not just the same arena either. What they've done is they've designed it like little rooms in a house. So there's the basement, there's the kitchen, there's the um, planetarium, there's the bedroom, and there's the study. So there's uh, there's a museum as well on the one that I watched. Oh, maybe the, maybe it's not the uh, study. It was the, it's the, Egypt- museum. the Egyptian room. There was a big sarcophagus in it, and oh, that's the basement. Oh, and like an Easter Island head. Oh, is that yeah, the yeah, yeah. That's the basement, which is with the random oh, stuff right. in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Easter Island head. Yeah, treacherous, and the pyramid. <laughs> That room has the pyramid in it. Yes. Oh, yeah. claim, claimed many victims as the pyramid. Oh, Jesus, yeah, yeah. Not surprised. So, so it's um, it, it's only well, the show's about half an hour long, um, and it it's suffers from the same. Well, it has the same. I would I would criticize it the way I would criticize a lot of these games, which is that there's, for my taste, a bit too much narration. Um, and when I say a bit too much, there's a lot of narration. Um, yeah. You know, there's a lot of commentary from the presenter. Down goes Idea Man Nick. Oh no! Scott has struck out. <laughs> if there's one thing an adult male loves, it's to test his groin strength. Oh no, Houston, we've got a problem. Hope she figures out that the telescope tips. Oh no! Josen got served! Alec, not hesitating, reaching out with his foot! Oh no! Mariah gets to the edge, but there is no glory! Um, and then the other thing is the teams. Because you've watched an episode, haven't you? Uh, so, yeah, I watched the first episode. Yeah. So the, the teams are... Uh, they all have to give themselves the title, like the cheerleaders or the firefighters or, you know, the bros or whatever. And, um, and there's a little... Uh, beginning film where they all stand there in their active wear talking about yeah. um, talking about themselves but it's so forced and and, and yeah. you know I mean we, we we tend to think of you know we tend to think of Americans as being confident and verbose and um, the this would indicate that perhaps they aren't that they're just as awkward and just as self-conscious but I think the producers have said Okay, guys, what we need from you is uh, confidence, arrogance, maybe a little trash talking with the other teams and tell us why you're going to win and how you're going to win. And yeah. they're just so <clears throat> awkward. We're, we're going to win because we got the spirit and we, we're going to use it. Yeah, it's, it's just, it's really, those bits. Like when they're in the, when they're in the, um, you know, in the rooms, brilliant, a lot of fun. Those bits are awful. The the impression that I got when on the one that I watched was <clears throat> that whoever had been the one that had put their names forward to be on the programme was the one who was the most enthusiastic. Yeah. And the other two people were just like, um, I'm sure this is great, but I don't really know why we're here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. Some of them did have, no, you know, they'd get to the bit where they're standing in the doorway and you, yeah. some of them were going, oh my gosh, what <laughs> yeah, is yeah. this? <laughs> yeah. 
That's very funny. Um, in the first episode, I think you've got three three kind of I don't know what you'd call a muscle bound jocks. Is that the, is that the phrase? Yeah. Um, you know. Yeah. Uh, who all have. Again, stage-managed arrogance. They're, they're all, yeah, we're going to do this. We are the bros. We're going to do this. And they fail so spectacularly. They they were genuine brothers as well, weren't they? Yes, they were. They were, tri- uh, were they triplets. Yeah, I think so, yeah. 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 And, Not, one of them, yeah. and one of them was sort of, he's the ladies' man. And it was all a bit cheesy yeah. and awful. Um, it was. It, they, they try and give everybody a different role, don't they, when they're giving the descriptions on that little film yeah, at the start. It's like, um, we're going to use David's brains, <laughs> Jane's got the athleticism, and I've got the brawn. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Strategy. I'm the strategist. <laughs> right, what's your strategy? Yeah. Just get from here to there. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's it. Jump, yeah, jump there. Yeah, you but the, but the other thing as well, the the um, so the lava is is constantly being bubbled up. They've got uh, water jets from time to time, mm. so it coats everything in yeah. a, a sort of semi viscous uh, liquid, quite slippery. Mm. Now everything looks like it's made of uh, sponge. Um, however, when those people fall. It looks really fucking nasty. It does, yeah. During the whole series. I mean, I'd, I'd love to see another series of it, and Ivy's desperate for a new series. Ivy's desperate for it to come back. But it look, it's one of those things that all it's going to take is for one person to go down and, you know, break a limb or, you know, do it, yeah. have a serious sprain. And uh, and that'll be that, I think. I thought that. I thought there must there must be must have been quite a few serious muscle injuries during yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the, they are on... It does make the surfaces really, really slippy. And they do have to jump a fair odd way to get from one piece of apparatus to another, don't yeah, they? Yeah, and well, oftentimes, the things that they're jumping from or onto <clears throat> are moving as well. Only the spinning bed in the bedroom episodes. Yeah, yeah. They're jumping from a rotating bed uh, onto a tiny little uh, occasional table. Yeah. Um, so yeah, occasionally a table at this moment in time, a fucking death trap, and yeah. and it's um, you know the commentator will say, well, looks like Jeff's gonna go for it. It's a seven foot jump from the bed to the table. Yeah. Here he goes. We'll get ready for lava. And uh, <laughs> you know, I, I think as well, and again, perhaps because it's the first series and they'll get over this. There, there seems to be a lack of confidence in, in the audience recognising the brand. So at least five times oh, every yeah. episode, if not more, um, they will, the, the commentator, the, you know, the, the presenter will keep saying, well, don't forget, the floor is lava. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. They have to say that right at the start as well, don't they? When they first go through, the, they open the door and then his voice, his awful voiceover comes over to him yeah. in the room. And he says, oh, what you've got to do, get from me to be or whatever. And then he'll say, but remember, the flaw is... And they all go, lava! Yeah. Oh, oh, fuck off. It's very cheesy. One team doesn't do it, which is hilarious. Oh, brilliant. What the flaw is... Oh, come on, guys, throw me a bone. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Uh, So, yeah. But it is fascinating as well, you know, that... The teams you want to win. There's, there's. For yeah. me, I'm, I. There was a, there was an episode where there were two teams of body fascists and one team who were just. I can't remember what they were. Were they waiters or they all worked in a restaurant together or there was something like that. 
And I was so desperate for them to win. I think they did in the end, which was yeah. great. And there were these, uh, one episode, uh, and again, this this is the chip on my shoulder, uh, precariously balanced. These, uh, these young kind of Californian valley girls who called themselves the selfie girls or something like that. And so they're all right. posing and taking selfies with selfie sticks and stuff like that. But they were really good and they worked together really, really well. So yeah, I yeah. underestimated them. But I have to say, I did think, go on, you're going in. Go on. <laughs> so yeah, it, it is odd what, um, what you end up cheering for on it. Um, yes. You do tend to make a judgment call as soon as they've done their initial interview where you're just like, oh, I hope you all fall in straight away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure they've calculated that. And there's part of the joy that has to be part of the joy going, yeah. I don't like you. I don't like you. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, definitely. it's a misanthrope's wet dream, um, particularly yeah. since the failure rate is so high. You know, yeah. not many of them make it, which is hilarious. Now, I don't know what it's like on, on the other ones because I only watched the first episode. I think yeah. I watched a little bit maybe of the second episode. Um, but on the first episode, part of what they do when they're going from, when they're trying to get from one obstacle to another to make sure they don't fall in the lava floor, um, there's different. They say that everything in the room is usable. Yes. So if you see a, a chandelier, yeah. If you see a chandelier hanging down, you could probably swing on it. If there's like the curtains on the wall, you can swing on them. Yeah, yeah. Any anything that you see that's down there, you can stand on. All that kind of stuff. And they're supposedly all going into these rooms with no pre-knowledge of what they're doing because when the door opens, they all go, oh my God, um, yeah. I'm going to have to stop doing that awful American accent. <laughs> hey, what the, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> I'll do a different shit accent. Um, <laughs> uh, so they, they do all that and they go, oh God, I don't know what's going on here. But then on the in episode one, where they've got like a sarcophagus and then they've got a staff. There's a staff that's over in the far left-hand corner so they can take different routes to get from A to B and that's yes. where their strategy comes in. So in an ideal world, they would probably, the door would open, they'd wrecky the room and go, right, well, we need to get over there, over there, onto that, da 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 But they don't. They just seem to just go in there and start. Um, but one of them is they couldn't really have done this task without going across to the left-hand side of the room picking up this staff, giving it to somebody who went a different way so they could put it into the sarcophagus because then the sarcophagus would slide across, which would mean that it gave me enough ramp room for them to reach the stairs that they have to get to. Yeah. And some of them just go in there and just do it, and you think, oh, no, hang on a minute. There's no way that you could have known that that stick yeah. going into that box would do that. Because the they don't even see it until halfway through. Yeah, I I think prior to the filming of the episodes, I think they must be shown, uh, you know, yeah. for safety elements. I think they must be shown either that or they're told, you know, that there are things removable things that you will use to open. Like so, look for removable things, um, or maybe yeah, they're just told, okay, just look, look surprised when we film you coming through. Just look surprised, yeah, uh, because you know the idea is you're not you've not seen this before, so. You know, yeah, because uh, the um, it it stopped that element of because um, I was thinking, oh, this is going to be a little <clears> bit like, and when we talked, uh, we're going to talk a little bit later about Crystal Maze. I thought it was going to be a little bit like that when it first opened up and I first saw the room, and they were saying, oh, everything's in play and you can use different things. I thought there was going to be a lot more kind of problem solving yes. to it. Yes, but they 
take a lot of that out because they do just go straight over to the stick, right, we need to stick it in there mm. because it's going to do something. Yeah. And it's like, no, you just need to give them a bit more time to kind of suss it out. That should yeah. be part of it, shouldn't it, really? Generally speaking, uh, during the, the other episodes, the three-person teams, one of them, I don't know why, one of them stays calling the shots. Like, one of them will stay in the entrance area going, right, you go there, ah, you go right. there. Which is quite good, I suppose. Uh, although much to the commentator's chagrin, because he seems to be going, Javon hasn't moved at all. He's yet to make his move, but don't forget, the floor is lava. So, you know, uh, the, the kitchen one's quite good uh, because it does have a problem to solve. Like, when you first go in, it says, you know, on the wall, menu, uh, there's like a chalkboard, and it's it's, it's right. written on that chalkboard, pizza is the key. Uh, uh, right. So, if you go to the pizza oven and find one of those slidey things, you slide the thing, get the pizza out, and then there's a key inside, so, you know, you have to get the... So, so you know, there are things... Uh, it's not, you know, it's not Krypton Factor level uh, problem solving, but no, at least no. there is an extra element to it. I, I, I have to say, I did enjoy it. It did help with Ivy, because she was absolutely enthralled by it. Yes, yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't enjoy it. <laughs> I just, I just didn't. Um, I, I quite liked the premise of it, but um, the people annoyed me. That fucking host annoyed me as well. Yes, he's, he is. I, I don't know who he is. Like, I mean, I just don't think it was it was for me to sit and watch on my own. No, but, um, no. I think that, like, if it was for me to enjoy it, like I would do other programs, it needed somebody who was a bit more knowing about what the whole thing was about. Yeah. A bit yeah. more kind of like, you know, wearing on this and, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think so. He was a bit too just face value for me. Yes, well, that's fair enough. Um, but uh, it's on Netflix if you uh, fancy having a, having a look at that. It's definitely worth a try because it's not on for very long, is it? Like no. you say, it's only on for like half an hour. And it, it does, in fairness to it, it did go quick when I was yes, watching it. Yes, it does, it does. So, yes. Very good. Um, what should we do now? Um, well, we've both been watching, well, I've watched the first one, Chef. Yes, Chef. Uh, do you want to talk about what that is? Because I So Chef, um, it's a kind of, now is it is it properly called Chef? It's from the film, it's John Favreau's film Chef. It's a spin-off from that um, where he, it's a episodic series where him uh, and a friend of his who's a chef they go around and visit different chefs and different restaurants and they learn their different cooking methods and they try different cooking methods out and they just look at different kind of cuisine and see different techniques and John Favreau's very affable and amiable yeah. and so is his Friend as well, isn't he? I can't yeah. remember his friend's name, but he's 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 good value as well. He's great. He was he was the guy who trained John Favreau uh, to be a chef, or you know, to, ah. to um, when they made the film. So the film Chef is a fiction. Uh, John Favreau's character has been a uh, like a Michelin starred chef who then decides to get a food truck and mm. travel around making wonderful foods. Um, and I've never seen it. I'd like to see it because I like John Favreau. And I'd really like to see it now because uh, the TV series, which is basically just John Favreau as himself and the guy who trained him up, as Richard said, travelling around. It's not a recipe show. Um, no. Essentially, they'll show little animations of a food truck driving around 
Um, and uh, if they're going to do, let's say, um, a bowl of pasta, in one of the episodes, uh, the chef who first met John Favreau when his company's food truck was hired as the catering van on, I think, the first Avengers film in 2010. So, yes, so, or 2012, rather. Um, So, yes, so so that's... um, so that's what um, that's what got them together. Um, one of the episodes, he says, "I'm going to make the bowl of uh, vegetarian pasta that was for Scarlett Johansson." Uh, so this is Scarlett Johansson's pasta, right. um, and then it'll show an animation of a bowl of pasta flying in the air as the food truck hits a bump, yeah. and and it'll freeze frame, and it'll just have all the words of what's what's in the pasta. Uh, it won't yeah. tell you measurements. And then you'll just watch them doing it, but they'll be talking about other stuff. They'll basically be behaving like you would in a kitchen, going, oh, shall I do this? Yeah, yeah great. And then what happened when you first made this? And they just have a chat. It's food yeah. It's food porn for me, because the food yeah. always looks amazing, and they're having a real laugh doing it, and it just looks great. Yeah. Yeah. They, and they, um, they've picked some good people as well who were... Um, they're on the all, all on the, the kind of right wavelength, and they're quite good characters as well. The people who they go and visit. Yes, indeed. I mean, it starts. It's a good start off because it starts off with oh god, he's called Wolfgang, isn't he? I can't remember what his second name is. He's a German guy who was over in um, went was up in restaurants in Vegas in the nineties. Um, oh yes. He's, he's 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 very good. Yes. But he just spend like pretty much the entire episode. Slagging off um, the culinary requirements of Americans. I mean, I was thinking, I surely, mate, you've got over it by now. You've been there for thirty years. <laughs> but he keeps going, um, like uh, he says, like, how do you like your steak? And John Favreau goes, well, medium rare. And he goes, good, good, because oh god, Americans really love that steaks overcooked all the time. <laughs> and he just says that about absolutely everything. Oh, Americans like it like this. Oh, oh no. Americans! They always Americans always say oh, I haven't paid for the fat on this steak, oh my God. and he just says it all the time. And I'm like, they're all your customers. Yeah, I was going to say, are these the same Americans who've made you very, very rich? Yeah, he's like he just doesn't like him. <laughs> <laughs> but he is he is totally obsessed with food, and he's a little bit of um, a kind of Keith Floydy kind of. You know, chuck things in the pan. Yeah. This is what you do. Like, like you said, there's no measurement to it, and um, he gets um, at one point John Favreau because he learned how to make an omelet um, from this guy before they started chef. So he was like, "Oh, I want to show you how much I've learned since the last time we were together." And this guy, so he's cooking it, and this guy just criticizes everything that he does all the way through it. He's like, you know, you don't season it there. No, you, no, you've got to put oil in first, then the butter. No, that you don't. No, you don't do it like. What did I tell you like last time? <laughs> <laughs> he just does all that all the way through it, and then he's going, oh, like Americans always like their eggs overcooked. Oh, <laughs> I like, I like again. my, I like my running, and it was like, oh my god. Yeah. But he's 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 good. He's the kind of person who you think, yeah, fuck, I'd want you to cook me a meal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you might be watching a different series to me because in the first episode of the, the ones I watched, it was um, the first episode had Bill Burr, you know, the American comedian guy. Oh um, yeah, doing a grilled cheese sandwich, 
And, um, ah. and this guy was just saying, this is the way to make a grilled cheese sandwich. And he puts so much detail in it. He also does this amazing, makes an amazing sandwich. Because it's a food truck, so they're making things that, you know, that's street food. And he makes this amazing uh, pork, uh, salted pork, um, and then and then obviously the meat-free stuff. That they, and, and the amount of effort and care he puts into a toasted cheese sandwich. Um, f- for me... I'd just put cheese between two slices of bread and then yeah. bang it in a breville. And then that's yeah. a, that for me is a toasted cheese sandwich. But no, honestly, <clears throat> butter the bread both sizes, two different types of cheese. Yeah, yeah. Make the cheese soft before you put the thing. Honestly, I mean, and they did, my mouth's watering, even just talking about it. They looked yeah, amazing. Yeah. Uh, so, and it's the first show about food. Again, it's not a cooking show, but the show, the first show about food that I've actively wanted to seek out the book that accompanies the series, if there is one. Uh, there, yeah, might, yeah. there might not even be one, but I would love to have it if it exists. Yeah, when I watch cookery programmes, I'm, I'm, I have, I'm probably a bit like you. I've got no interest when they're going, and so we. This is where we add a cup of flour, and yeah. then we add fifteen millimeters of. Um, milk or whatever, all that shit. Yeah, sure. I'm not interested in. I'm not interested in by the numbers thing. I'll just want to watch somebody cook something nice, and I might yeah. learn something along the way. Yeah. But even if I don't learn something along the way, if it looks really nice and it's interesting, that's job done for me. Yeah. Well, the fact is, unless unless you're still in the age of video recorders and you want to record a program and then go over it and over it and over it again, or watch it on the iPlayer or you know on catch up or whatever to get yeah. the, the nuance of the rest recipes. You're going to buy the book anyway, so you might as well just, like you say, see somebody. That's maybe why I enjoyed this program so much. See somebody make some nice food and go, "That looks really nice. I want to learn how to make that." Have you tried? Um, have you seen binging with Babish on YouTube? Oh no, but he. I think that guy is one of the guests in series one. Right. Um, he's he's amazing. He's really good. He's yeah. like that. He just does his stuff. Just chucks it in. Shows you how he. He just shows you how he does it. He doesn't go into like other like minuscule detail about it. He shows yeah. you how, how he's done it, and then but he'll also show you, uh, like when he fucks it up. Yeah, as well. yeah, yeah. So he'll try it, and then good. oh no, I didn't do that right. I should have done this. There's a very strange uh, thing that yeah. happens in the second episode of season one. Um, where they're all sitting around uh, at a restaurant that um, they've got to a city. I can't remember where, where they got to. Uh, I can't remember. Oh, um, Atlanta. They're in Atlanta. And mm. there's some of the people from the Marvel movies there. Uh, Tom Holland, who's just done um, Civil oh, War. Yeah. It's when Civil War was made, so 2014, I think. Uh, so Tom Holland is there. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. Uh, Kevin Feige, the producer of all the Marvel movies. Uh, mm. and, um, and they're all sitting around and eating and chatting and, and you know again all affable all very polite and then when Robert Downey Jr. speaks his voice yeah. is slightly higher like he talks a little bit like that so he sounds a little bit yeah. like, slightly nerdy and, and I think alright oh, have they digitally altered his voice to make him sound a bit deeper <laughs> you know in all the films has it all been a myth and actually Robert Downey Jr. Has, or maybe he's just his starter was just a fuckload of helium I don't know because it was. It was yeah, really, it maybe was, he was nervous. <laughs> Robert a lot of people, isn't it? He's half Smurf. I don't know. So yeah, it was very, it was very strange. Um, but no, I mean, uh, it looked. Uh, it's a good show. Again, another one from Netflix. I would. Uh, anyone who likes uh, likes to look at food on telly and go oh and drool, 
like me, clearly. Um, have a look at it. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's definitely worth a watch. Yes, it uh, is. And I think the thing that with those is that it's nice with any of those kind of programs. I watch loads of stuff on YouTube where I might not have a great interest in the actual thing itself, but when somebody's so passionate about it, Yes. And they speak so knowledgeably, knowledgeably about things, then it draws me in on stuff. Yes, enthusiasm is infectious, there's no doubt about it. I watch, um, I've watched so, like, probably about 100 episodes of um, The Locksmith Lawyer, The Locksmithing Lawyer on YouTube. <laughs> and it's just, it's just a guy, and all he does is he um, shows you how he gets into different kinds of locks. Right, okay. Using lock, lock picking techniques. Oh, wow. And each episode is six minutes long. Oh, my God. At one point, I was absolutely obsessed with it. <laughs> I've never heard of he it. Gets, he, he uses all these locksmithing tools. And he's got he's got a really... Um, he's got the kind of voice that you expect with, like, a civil aviation pilot. You all know, right. when they've got that, that weird calmness about everything oh, that they say. Okay. He's got that kind of thing, so he's like, um, you know, I've got uh, I've got this Yale lock here, so I'm going to use these kind of tools, and then he puts the tools inside the thing, and he always is twisting twisting the tools, so and he's talking about how he gets a feel for each barrel as he's twisting it, wow. and he's going like, um, I've got some resistance on three, loose on four. Oh, five's in place. I'm going to go back to three. And you're like, oh, my God, I'm mesmerised. Like five, <laughs> five minutes watching this guy break into a fucking bike lock. It's ridiculous. Wow. But I, I absolutely love that right. kind of thing. I would imagine love things that, like that. Uh, yeah. thieves in training, it'd be absolute catnip for them. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, part of what he does is, um, like, he'll, he'll like, he talks, he talks about bike locks and things and... Um, Obviously, it being America, he talks about gun locks, and he's like, "You shouldn't ever use this because I can get into it in like ten seconds." So, so it is quite interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Things that take him a long time, then I'm immediately thinking, oh, "I'll need to buy that lock." <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. I love it. Brilliant. Absolutely love Very it. Good. Very um, good. Something that I um, haven't particularly loved was something that I've watched recently, which was Awake on. Netflix. Oh, what's that? Um, so it's a new game show where they take five contestants, I think it is, um, and they keep them awake for oh. 24 hours before the game show starts. Oh, jeez. So in, within that 24 hours, they put them into a separate room and they give them like these like wheelbarrows full of um, quarters and they've got their own table. And they've got that time to count as many quarters as they want to count. Um, uh, And they don't give them any pencil or paper or anything like that. And they have to remember how many quarters they've counted. Well, no, they have to... They have to they have to remember the monetary value, not how many quarters, what the monetary value of those are. Um, So then when they've done all that, they go into the room the next room which is where the whole thing happens a game show studio with with an it's got an audience in the round um so they have these people and then they'll say right <clears throat> the, the host goes like right well we're gonna we're gonna lose um a couple of people straight away on this because 
we're going to lose the person who was um, who counted the least amount of money, and we're going to lose the person who they have to give them an estimate on how much they think that they've counted. Right. Okay. And so they'll say, right, we're going to get rid of the person who's counted the least amount of money, and we're also going to get rid of the person who was furthest out in their estimate as well. So then they pick two, they get these two people, and then just go, right, well, you're done. And so they've spent oh, <laughs> twenty four hours basically counting small denomination coins, <laughs> only to get dragged into a room to say, "You work very good. You can go home now." It's the guy with nothing. Um, Maybe there's a sub program that they haven't commissioned from Netflix, which is just filming them crying. Yeah, fucked off quiz show contestants. <laughs> well, game show is not a quiz. Um, so the, then the remaining people have to go through a series of challenges. Um, so the first challenge that they had, this is this gives you a kind of level at what this what this program's aiming at. The first channel that they have, challenge that they have is they all go off into the, their own little booth facing the audience and there's um, a large kind of uh, cylinder marked off with uh, millilitres on it and it's filled with... Um, Slushy, ice slushy drink. Right, okay. And there's a big straw in it, and they give them a certain amount of time, and they go, right, it's the person who can consume the most amount of slushy in this time to give them brain freeze. And the idea is, I think the the theory behind it is that when you're suffering from sleep deprivation over 24 hours, then your tolerance for... Extremes of heat and cold becomes less. So you have more of a difficult time coping with it all. So because you've got, you've been suffering from like this sleep deprivation and you're more susceptible to feeling the pain from cold or heat, that's the reason why they've given them this ice slushy to just consume as fast as they can. And they're all, they're all suffering from it. Um, So they do, they all do that. And then they say, right, cover up your, test tube thing um, and then we'll all go stand back in the middle of the room um, so you covered it up so that nobody else can see it right what we're going to do now is we're going to have a buyout situation so he says I'm going to offer you a chance to buy yourself out of the round and out of the game completely all together now and I'll give you $500 so if you think that you've been the absolute worst out of the five of you remaining you can hit the button and we'll give you the $500 and you're out of the game. Or you can carry on and risk getting nothing. So then they have this kind of discussion. They give them 10 seconds and they have this kind of discussion where like, some people are going, um, I can't believe you're not pressing the button. You've clearly done the worst. You know, you should you should press the button. You know, you've, yeah, you've not yeah, done very well. And then the 10 seconds is up and then that's time out. Or you can obviously hit the button and collect the five hundred dollars and bugger off home. Well, nobody collected the five. Nobody collected the five hundred dollars. Um, right. They had um, the next test was they had to. Um, <laughs> there was like a like a kind of lazy Ugh. Susan with with needles, twelve needles all the way around it, and they had to right. thread as many of the needles with a piece of cotton as they could within the time. And then obviously they gave them another buyout scenario where, but this time they said, right, it's going to be like $750, I think it was, or something. 
So they all had to kind of assess where they were in that. So that that kind of jeopardy at the end of it was quite good. It added to something a little bit yeah. different. But you watch you you are watching people do the most mundane shit just because they're tired. You're watching really tired people do mundane shit because they're so desperate. Because the they have got a theoretical, although extremely slim, chance of collecting a million dollars at the end of it. Right. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, it sounds to me like they've the missed a trick because, in a in a way, the sleep deprivation thing sounds like there's some kind of uh, hazing practice in the military to train up assassins. I mean, the final round ought to you know they ought to be given a rifle and sent to a book depository yeah. and see who they can pick off. Because was a bit like that. <laughs> they were all, they were all suffering um, f- from lack of sleep. Um, and I think that cleverly they rely on that lack of being that lack of sleep affecting people's decision making process uh-huh. because there's a guy who somebody who gets through to the end of the challenge and then they have a decision to make so they say you can um, risk um, the bit of money that you've got now um, uh, and you can kind of gamble on your knowledge of how effective you were at counting the money that we asked you to do at the start if you're close if you think you know how much you've counted we're going to give you a like an estimation question so if you're within the boundaries of this estimation then you can collect a certain amount of money and if you're within a smaller boundary you can collect a million so this guy got to the end and they said right so you can you can try for the money that everybody else counted all put together. And that came to $163,000, I think it was. Okay. So it was like, so it was like, all oh, right, I'll go for that then. So they said, um, how much do you think you counted? And he said, I think I counted $33,000. So then the, he said, well, right, well, if you're within $500 plus or minus on that, you can keep that money. So they were like, oh, right, brilliant. So he did it, and he was. He was within $500. Wow, okay. So then they said, right, you can either keep that and just walk away now, or you can gamble it all on a million dollars, but we're only going to give you $25 plus or minus in your guess. Do you think that you were within $25 plus or minus with your guess? No, no, no. And everybody in the audience is going... No, keep it. Just go home. And they were literally like, "Oh, I'm screaming! Just go home, go home." Gosh. And he was like, "Oh yeah, uh, now I'm gonna gamble." Oh. <laughs> so they did the thing, and they were like, "No, you were like two hundred and sixty dollars out." And, and so he just got... was like, and he was just like fucking crying. I'm not surprised. He just threw away thirty three thousand dollars. Yeah, That's fucking awful. insane. Yeah, that's awful. Yeah. It's such a weird, a weird setup. Because when they were saying, "Oh, that you can," the winner of this can get a million dollars. I was thinking, "What? Just for doing this shit?" <laughs> but obviously, they've worked it all out, and it's completely raked in the favor of nobody getting it. Yeah, of course. Because not. they're just fucking brain addled by the time that they get there. By the time yeah. that they're they're doing the final round of that, they've been awake for twenty five hours. In a okay. television studio with people yes, asking him fucking stupid questions. <laughs> oh yeah. 
So it didn't make me want to watch any more of them. No, but you could enter it. You and the and the tennis playing one eyed dog. You could yeah, enter I'd that. be all right. Here. Yeah. yeah, except for the point where you tried to kick the ball and disappear. Yeah, except for the point where I threw myself off the stage in the, in the television studio and smashed my head open. Um, that, that probably wouldn't work. Yeah, that's but no up way. until then, I think I'd be a winner. And that cha- that is on channel... It's on Netflix. Netflix. Okay. Yeah. Good. God help me. If that's, if that's a Netflix original, that's really weird. It does look right. like something they've picked up from another channel and passed it off as a Netflix original. Right. right. Okay. Fair enough. I can't, I'm not going to recommend that. All right, no recommendation. If you've seen the trailer for it on Netflix and thought I might give that a go, my advice is just don't bother. Don't bother. Fair enough. Yeah. Very good. You, but uh, now, now you've watched something that I was going to ask if you could watch actually, bizarrely, right. during the week, and then I completely forgot to ask if you could watch it for for this um, because you've got Disney Channel, haven't you? I've got Disney Plus. Yes, indeed. Yes, so um, I saw that Hamilton was going to go on the Disney channel uh-huh. um, and I was hoping that you were going to watch it and as by chance you have watched it. Yes, I have watched Hamilton, yeah. What did you make of it? Well, for those of you who don't know, uh, and I'm sure most of you do... It's uh, about George Hamilton, Hamilton, isn't it? It's about George Hamilton, the actor, yeah. The third. Uh, Is it George Hamilton the third? George Hamilton the third, yeah. Uh, and it's basically yeah. about how he got so shiny. Uh, you know, he's, he's, he's that nut brown, shiny man. Um, if you if if you if you're too young to know who George Hamilton the Third is, he was he was um, he was a television personality actor. Um, yes, he was. Who was he was um, I'm gonna, he was Caucasian, but he did his best to try and not look Caucasian because he was. Very was tanned. Very, very tanned, yeah. Very he was. tanned. He was yes. over tanned, wasn't he? He yes, he was oaken. He was just like yeah. a piece of a brown nut brown. Um of course it's not about George Hamilton. We just oh, right. it's about Diddy David Hamilton, the Radio One DJ from oh, the sixties and God, 70s. yeah. Uh and it yeah. uh, it outlines his uh, fall from grace uh, at Radio One. He's moved to Radio 2 yeah. and eventually uh, his twilight years as the announcer at Fulham Football Club, um, oh. which, is, which is what he still does apparently now. Or maybe he, does, maybe he died. If, he, if he's dead, I'm apo- I apologise to his family. Was he... Um, I mean, for somebody to be on the radio and still have a name that suggests that they're small, that's something, isn't it? It is, absolutely. Diddy David, yeah. Uh, I don't suppose he's that small. Or maybe, I don't know, maybe he is. Maybe Do you think he, on his initial recordings, he sounded a bit distant and away from the microphone, and they were like, "Oh, it's because he's so small." Why well, did just stuck? <laughs> yeah, he's <laughs> an average-sized man. Now he's Diddy. He's Diddy David Hamilton. Yeah, if he wasn't a DJ, people would be putting coins in his head outside a newsagent. Yeah, or oh, maybe maybe he was the maybe he was the foreigner of P Diddy. He was P. Diddy David Hamilton. P. Diddy Hamilton. <laughs> P. Diddy Hamilton. <laughs> so at one point, do you think he was called Puffy Hamilton? Puff, yeah, Puff Diddy. Puff David. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, th- I think uh, that's exactly. Um, uh. But no, actually, Hamilton is about Alexander Hamilton. Uh, um, never heard yeah. of him. No, well, we wouldn't in this country. One of the founding fathers, um, he was uh, uh, the man who I think, again, I watched the musical and it's two and a half hours long and um, I I thought it was great. Uh, He 
I think he set in place uh, a lot of the uh, amendments to the uh, Constitution after the Revolutionary War, uh, and all, uh, including the uh, economic and fiscal systems um, that uh, still exist to this day. Uh, he's responsible, I think, for the importance of electoral colleges in America. Um, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, um, just chip in there. Yeah. Uh, I've got to say, Nicky, it sounds fucking awful. It's not awful, honestly. It's it's mm. surprising, you know. It's like, well, you know, my you've uh, not sold it to me. I know I've not sold it to you, but uh, you know. So musicals aren't really my thing. I like the odd one. I love West Side Story. I think it's great, um, yeah. and uh, you know, films with songs in Blues Brothers and so on. I really enjoy. Yeah, but uh, musicals for me are. Saturday or Sunday afternoons when it's raining and the fire's on and it's warm enough and you know it's too early for an action film or a spooky film uh, let's bung a musical mm. on um, put nobody's it on nobody's ever said that nobody's ever said that at your house fair enough then um, well that's fine um, <laughs> put it on and um, the the guy uh, who wrote it, uh, a chap called Lin-Manuel Miranda, he'd written another musical before uh, called In the Heights, which I'd worked with a couple of guys who loved In the Heights and were always quoting it, and it sounded like it was a hip-hop musical. Lin-Manuel Miranda and a bunch of his uh, contemporaries, or his mates, I guess, his peers, um, ran, or maybe even still run, a, a, a comedy troupe doing uh, hip-hop I think satire and stuff. I'm not really sure. Improv, anyway, uh, very successfully. And he'd wrote. He spent. He'd spent six years writing Hamilton. Uh, he'd read the biography of of this chap. Uh, died in a duel, um, and he was. Uh, yeah, I mean, a, a fascinating, a really interesting story. I mean, clearly, uh, a lot of facts have been, uh, you know, uh, changed in order to suit the plot. But it's it's like a musical version of an oral history play, so uh, you know where there's direct audience address and the uh, the actors will say if it's not a musical they'll say in 1974 so and so was married to such and such and they moved on to you know but it's a political thing so uh, you're learning about the battles Washington, um, but uh, a lot of it is done in that rec um, recitative, is that the right phrase? You know, uh, that the rap owes a lot to recitative, which is the bits in opera where it's da 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 da, da, da not the big arias yeah, and the yeah. uh, things with the, you know, the, the, the noted uh, tenors or, or the divas sing. The, the stuff yeah. that, you know, um, I think it's pronounced recitative. I want to say recitative, but that sounds wrong. So rap owes a debt to that and so it has it, it you know it does have classical grounded so you've got these wonderful um tunes that play with rhythm and also tell a story about this guy who um rises up from being a fairly impoverished orphan uh to a, a position of really great power in america um there are obviously it's uh, it's an american story um although one of the best parts is king george who keeps turning up uh, he's hysterical, very funny. The songs he sings is great, um, but uh, you know all of it's fab. I, re I I really really enjoyed it. I wasn't expecting to enjoy it as much as I did. I wanted to watch it because I'd heard so many people say, "Oh, Hamilton, it's amazing." Mm. Um, you know, and I'd seen um, Lin Manuel Miranda interviewed 
uh, about it on Graham Norton and uh, when he was I think when he was publicising because he's in the sequel to Mary Poppins uh, yeah. so yeah and, and um, fab I, I, you know I thought it was I thought it was really good and done on the open stage style as well uh, mm-hmm. it was a big cast but it wasn't lots and lots of really lavish sets you know things got trucked on and trucked off so suddenly there'd be an office they'd be out of that office and then they'd be in an open space yeah. where there was a, a field where they were duelling and stuff like that yeah it, it moved very well and um, yeah I mean, quite often uh, theatre on screen is a difficult watch because it's a locked off camera with a couple of specials but this had been multi-camera to within an inch of its life and was really really well done and I enjoyed it so yeah yeah I mean it sounds awful um, <laughs> I just I can't it's m- musicals just make me want to put my own eyes out I just cannot all stand musicals all of them it's but it's not um <clears throat> it's not it's music I should qualify it's not musicals per se it's musicals on a filmed on a TV or on a screen I just can't I can't buy into it. I've seen them live, and I think it's great because you get I get sucked in. Even if I don't particularly like the musical, I love the talent that I'm watching of the okay. people that are doing it, and I can. That's enough for me. I can appreciate it just for that. But if I'm watching it on film, I think one of my worst films. Oh well, we'll come on to the worst <laughs> film in in our other podcast. Yes, we one will. of the worst films I've ever seen. I think was Yentl. And that just made me that just, that was like the the worst musical I think I've ever seen in my life. Never seen Yentl. I'm just I've never seen it. It's all like um, because oh, I don't shit. like it. Where I just realised what I just realised I've never seen Yentl. So when we get to that year in our film club, I'm ending oh, yeah. up with Yentl. <laughs> yeah, you're hundred percent. You're getting fucking Yentl, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'd, I'd get I'd get mental I'd get mentally prepared for Yentl if I was you. Um, William Shatner uh, said that. Watch Yentl did, went he mental. Did, he did. And if anything, he said it better than I did. He um, said it like an animal, though. He did like a like a Yentl mental animal. <laughs> I don't like it where they do um, one of those things where everything's sung. So oh yeah, sung like yeah. He's, you know, he's walking through the door. He's putting down the paper. I'm watching him do that thing. And you say, oh, fuck off. Just say it. Before he even knows that he's hungry, she's already there with his plate. Before his glass is even empty, she's filling it up. God forbid he should wait. Before he has Who's the best chance in your to tell her he's chilly, she'll go put Marshall. a log on the fire. Marshall. Fulfilling his every desire. More bread, please. So have some dialogue. Um, yeah, so Jesus Christ yeah. Superstar, uh, not for you. That's no, something well, that's no. just all. Yeah. No. I'm just not a musicals person. Okay. Um, but I, similarly, I'd heard so many good things about Hamilton that I was thinking, maybe this is a musical that might change my mind about these right. kind of things. And I do like um, I do like rap. I like old school rap and I like some yeah. of the new stuff. Um, I like a bit of Kendrick Lamar. Yeah, but yeah. Um, then I saw I saw that Graham Norton thing where Lin Manuel Miranda was on it, and I immediately thought, no, it's not for me. No, oh. it's absolutely not for me. No. Well, 
Well, that's fair you enough. Know. I, you know, horses for costs, isn't it? I, I, Definitely. I like I said, I wasn't expecting to enjoy it as much as I did because I, I thought, uh, partly because I thought that the uh, it wasn't going to work from stage to screen. I thought this is this is going to look rubbish, but actually it was done very very well. Um, yeah. And 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 it being a uh, you know a musical based on a biography of a historical figure I knew very very little about. Yes. Um, and yet, by the end, I thought, oh, okay, that was, yeah, that was really, really good. Oh, God, yeah. And I'm definitely in the minority because it's been an absolutely massive critical and commercial success, hasn't Indeed. it? Indeed. Yeah, yeah, very so, much so. Yeah, no, it's definitely just yeah. one of my things. Yeah. Um, but no, I won't be um, seeking that out. Well, listen, they, they're going to have to, you know, the, the theatre world is waiting for our musical about uh, Cliff Lazarenko. Uh, so you, you wait you fucking wait <laughs> I'd fucking love to see that exactly it wouldn't be called Hamilton Lazarenko what a name <laughs> what a fucking name yeah yeah he sounds he like he's a... he's got his own um, he's got his own drug run straight through to Miami in his own private island doesn't it he does doesn't he yeah Lazarenko Lazarenko's yeah. island Either that, or he's he's you know he's the he's the private detective that never he's never played by the rules. He always gets the job done. <laughs> yeah. Lazarenko, loose cannon, Lazarenko. He is a loose cannon, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> every week a, a big fat sergeant to be telling him he's got the DA's yeah. office on his back. I got the yeah. DA's office on my back. That must be fucking. Yeah, it go into the office and then you could hear the um, the commissioner's door swing open and it got Lazarenko. <laughs> Yeah, and he'd absolutely. get called in there, wouldn't he? And then everybody would be look, watching him through the glass door, like yeah. getting shouted at. Or that would be the end of the episode. There'd be a freeze frame of him going... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, me again. Yeah. <laughs> hey, boss, I just do what I do. Lazarenko! <laughs> it can't be one you rule for you, Lazarenko! <laughs> There's this little thing called the law. Do you realise the kind of heat I get from upstairs because of you, Lazarenko? <laughs> You've got 48 hours to wrap this up. <laughs> Lazarenko, are those three darts in your top shirt pocket? <laughs> <laughs> Lazarenko, what are you doing? I'm going to solve this case the old-fashioned way. The old treble 20. <laughs> How about you and me settle this like man? Round the clock with a ball to finish. <laughs> oh, that would be his catchphrase, wouldn't it? Bullseye. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, how did you catch him, Lazarenko? I don't know, boss. I guess he's just hit 25 today. <laughs> do 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 <laughs> Lazarenko. Yeah, there you go. And then we'd have to Love turn it into a musical. They call him oh. Lazarenko, the king of the board. <laughs> that sounds more like a shit game show, doesn't it? That's not a musical about yeah. a by day, by day a dance professional, by night a maverick cop. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, and he's got all pictures of the suspects on his dartboard. <laughs> yeah, he has lots of different dartboards, all connected by string. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he writes down how many arrests he's done on the scoreboard. Yeah. Abs- <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> he has to make five he has to make five hundred and one arrests every year. <laughs> <laughs> and finish with a double arrest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's also got he's got someone who comes like a kid who comes to look at the board. Cliff, Cliff, can I look at the board? Get behind the Archie. You won't be able to solve the crime in front of the Archie. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god yeah no I'd love to see that yeah Lazarenko the musical yeah we should definitely do that for Disney yeah, do you I reckon so. Disney would take that on I don't think they would would they we could ask them we could certainly ask them and we'll look him up if now, not just... if not them Channel 5 I reckon would take it Channel 5 would have it Channel 5 would definitely have it let's have a look at yeah. it yeah or maybe uh, Alibi because it's um it's a detective drama. Yeah, absolutely. So Cliff Lazarenko uh, was actually born in England. He's 68 years old now. He was born in 1952. His hometown is Wellingborough, so in Northamptonshire. But I still think he, he makes it, it makes much more sense for him to be a New York cop. It, honestly, that makes it even better because you could do him as being a real fish out of water. Oh, yeah, he's there. a fish out of water cop, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, he's been transferred over. <laughs> Because he's been playing too much darts while he's been on the beat. <laughs> so send him over to the like the Bronx <laughs> to clean up the streets. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it, obviously, it's got to be set in the seventies, and he's probably got yeah. some kind of some kind of um, big haired, curly haired assistant called I don't know Fizzy McGee. <laughs> Fizzy, go with Lazarenko. Make sure he does it by the book this time. <laughs> <laughs> oh god and he's always got a pint in his hand uh, yeah I was just stopping <laughs> stopping everywhere for a pint <laughs> even when he's running down the streets after people he's still got his pint in his hand yeah there'll be a shot of, there's saxophone there's this criminal belting away knocking cardboard boxes and rolling over car bonnets and Lazarus yeah. will be walking along with a pint it'll be he like comes a, cra- <laughs> He goes crashing through the watermelon stand all in his pint. Yeah, yeah, just walking. Do you remember? Do you remember Vegas, the the cop yes. show Vegas with yeah. Dan Tanner, who never yeah. ran but always caught people yeah. up. Yeah. So that'd be Lazarenko. It'd be exactly the same thing. Yeah. The thing yeah. is with uh, Lazarenko, it's a war of attrition. So you can, <laughs> you can run fast, but you will get there eventually. I think four. There's four entire episodes is the same chase. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, there's half an hour of him frantically flagging down a cab. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> With his pint in his hand. Yeah, absolutely. Do you mind? I've got a beverage. Can I? Can I still get in? Can I still get oh, in with a beverage? Oh, I've lost another one. Lazarenko. What a <laughs> oh, oh my yeah. god somebody yeah. needs to make Lazarenko the darts playing cop fish out of water darts playing cop yes yeah. the musical <sighs> yeah oh. <laughs> amazing we could maybe get Kendrick to do the music oh that would be that would be fantastic yeah yeah very good very good a bit of a crossover I'm, I'm thinking he's big on um, 80s darts players loves them 
Uh, he speaks of little else. He does. He's... He does. <laughs> <laughs> oh fucking hell! Right, very good. So we right, haven't, well, we haven't watched. This is another week's gone by. And we haven't watched Lazarenko. Um, no, next week maybe. Next Look out week. for it. Fingers crossed. Fingers, Fingers crossed. crossed. Right, well, thank you for being with us again, listeners. And we shall see you again, hopefully <laughs> next week, with Lazarenko. Lazarenko! <laughs> see you again soon. Bye! 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 Bye.